Well, hello again. It's another NL full-time podcast. Hope you've had a great week. I'm Lee Edwards. Thank you very much for joining us. And I'm looking, the way we set it up, it's a rogues gallery. So as I look from left to right, I have Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Yeah, really good to see you, Luke. It is a still image of you I'm looking at, but uh, yeah, as lovely as ever. It's like, yeah, I'm, it's like the master in night. You can't see me. It's just some voice booming out. Uh, next to him it is Rob Laurel back from his holidays. Hello, Rob. Yeah, delighted to be back. And Luke, you look so much more handsome in your picture. Well, I know. More than I do this morning. Um, and also joining us, uh, it is, um, well, the manager of Aldershot, who um, Rob will be glad that Aldershot didn't lose on Saturday because they've been doing well while he's been away on holiday and he might have had a one-way ticket back to his <laughs> safari holiday if they had lost against Oldham. Thankfully, the, they managed to get a draw, which we'll talk about later on. But it is Aldershot's manager, Ross McNeely. Hello, Ross. Hi, Luke. Thank you. Thank you for having me on as well. So, yeah, nice to, nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, what we'll do is I'll, I'll we'll go back to midweek because I went to Oldham against York. <laughs> Win for Oldham in the end by two goals to nil. Probably just deserved it on balance. And after the game, I caught up with assistant manager John Ebrill in the post-match press conference. Yeah, we've had to work harder uh, for the game, though. Uh, we know they've got quality, uh, so we've had to be resolute at times, let them have a little bit of the ball. But I thought in terms of uh, organisation, no big gaps on the pitch. You know, I thought uh, the positioning of the players, when we've moved up the pitch, we looked to press, we looked to win it back. I thought overall it was a, it was a really good performance. And the ball in possession in the midfield, the possessional play that I think it sort of lacked against Gateshead, it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. But with uh, Mark Shelton coming in, you, you're very impressed by the link-up play with him in there. Yeah, I, I just felt we had a, a, a presence in there, some experience. It just looked right. You know, I'm not saying we played total football and great football, but it was good pressure football against a good team. Um, we tried to play in the right areas. Um, you know, and they've got size and presence, the two of them, and I think that was that was really important tonight. I think John Rooney, in fairness as well, came on and made a good impact as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and John, yeah, so John, different type, uh, can play, you know, he can get the ball down and play. Uh, so, yeah, he, he did fine when he came on. John. So, yeah, he does have quality, he has quality on the ball, John, and again, he'll be needed. He'll be knocking on the door then to try and get his players back, will he? Well, we, we want players who, if they're not in the team, you know, are desperate to get in. And John is one of them, you know, and we're aware of that. Uh, but I'm sure he will be needed and will get his game time at the right time. Thanks, John. No problem. And an unbeaten start in the league this year, that's something to hang on to, isn't it? How important is that? Yeah, well, yeah, it, of course it's important. This league, it's a lot of fixtures and there'll be a lot of fixtures sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, which we like. Um, so it'll just be important, I think, just to keep level, like I've said, level of performance improving. Um, and I thought that was a real good forward step tonight. But we've got to do it again Saturday, and then you know, the next game is just the way it is. But with that behind you, those those three league games so yeah. far this year, is it, does it make it, it feel, extra incentive? It feels like a, a good foundation. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Uh, a lot of experience in the game that. You can talk like this, and then the game can, yeah. you know, the next game can can sort of catch it out. So we're, we are so aware that this is a win tonight, but Saturday we've got to be ready. Uh, I think they won again tonight, so they're on a good run. Uh, we know uh, every game you have to fight in this league for, and the pleasing thing for me, I think tonight was that we were ready for that, and um, I felt we were uh, the dominant team. 
John, back-to-back -back league wins. I think for the first time in eight years, that's a big sort of monkey off the back of the club as well, isn't it? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, so I, I, I know what you're saying, yeah. but from, from my own point of view, it's just been trying to push something uphill is the way I look at it, which I, I like. Um, so we've had, obviously, some turnover of players, uh, bringing our own uh, sort of uh, coaching into the club, into the players, get, making them aware of it. Um, as I talked about, a lot of ours is about good habits, repeating. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, a couple of wins. It doesn't, it doesn't it mean something, mm -hmm. but actually it's got to mean something in six, seven weeks' time for me, for it to be worthwhile. And that's the bit that it never ends. We've got to keep pushing. Uh, we'll all feel sick Saturday night if, mm -hmm. if, if we're not ready and we don't get a result there. Has the job been tougher than you expected when you walked in the door as well? Um, I love a chat. It's mm. been it's been challenging, mm. but I I really enjoy that. Uh, I think I, I I like the problems that it brings, and it has brought that. But I don't think this club has been successful too much in recent years. So that, you know, there's there's got to be some real taking stock in terms of putting that right. Um, and it's not just a quick fix. It's got to be something that's sustainable, and that doesn't happen quick. So I, th I think we're on the right path to doing that, but it's very early days. Pleading for patience then almost, in, in a way, with the fans as well. I'm not pleading for patience. No, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I know exactly how fans should feel. Mm. Um, and as I say, I keep talking about we've won tonight, great, fantastic. Mm. But actually, Saturday, I'm, I'm already thinking about it, and that's the way it should be. Now, I must, I must add a correction after that, because I did say it was the first back-to-back -back wins in eight years, which is what somebody said in the press box. However, it's only three years, so it's the first back-to-back -back wins in three years, which is still a long time. But then the next game, they travelled down to the EBB, Rob, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, and uh, we'll get Ross's take in just a moment. But um, it was a really, really good game to watch. Decent crowd, but crowds that can get even better if, if Aldershot keep playing this football that they're playing at the moment, which is a joy to watch. Um, and Oldham take their credit from that match. I'm sure Ross will agree. Um, two sides on the front foot, plenty of players going forward, plenty of opportunities, great excitement. And, and probably the only disappointment was the final score of one all. I think the match deserved more goals. Both sides will probably have a case that they could and should have won it. Um, what a goal well, by Fondot, by the way. Yeah, it was, it was, well, it was a cracking, cracking goal. Um, and, um, yeah, it just sat nicely, struck it, and there was no chance for Luca, who had a really, really good game in goal. Um, and and, it, and in his goal wasn't too bad either, was it? Ross, sort of the morning after, the day before, how are you reflecting uh, on, on that game yesterday? How did you see it? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously I spoke to you yesterday, didn't I? and I was, um, I was a little disappointed uh, to draw, and I thought we probably... Did did just enough, just just enough to sort of win it. But but I, I mean, obviously, I seen I seen um, seen David's interview after as well, and he thought the same. So it probably tells you tells you a bit about the game. It was quite an, it was an open game, probably more more open defensively than than we'd have liked, and and we didn't quite take some of the big chances. Obviously, we missed a penalty, and and we missed a couple of one on ones, but they missed a couple of chances as well. So I think I, I think in reflection, it shows probably how far we've come. To be disappointed with that and and having attacked so well, certainly in the last like sort of 10, 15 minutes when we were trying to go and go and get the three points. So I'm always disappointed when we don't win, but in reflection, uh, it's a point and and we've 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 shown a lot of progress really. And you talk about where we've came from, Ross. Um, in order to give you 
correctly, full credit really, I think, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think all the shot was second bottom when you and James came in with, with Terry, is that right? Second bottom. Um, and now they're 14th. So now we're 14th. So um, I, I appreciate it's a long way to go. It's work in progress and all that. But you've got to be pleased overall with that as a start, your first role in uh, professional management. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the group's not, the, I mean, everyone says it's down to myself and James, but the group's a good group and there's, there's good players there. We've added some really good players as well. So I think we're quite, we've been quite fortunate in, in that respect. And, and we've had not many injuries, even though on a smaller group. So uh, we've been quite sort of, sort of a little bit lucky in that regard. But I mean, I mean, the big thing yesterday, I was, I was speaking to, speaking to my, my girlfriend when we got in, I was like, we could have been three points off the playoffs and, like, like to have a bit of a like a reality check like that's that's why I was disappointed and we're still five points off I know we play more games but at least we got the points on the board and and a lot of lot of teams are going to have sort of like tough tough Februarys like after a tough January as well with the sort of fixture backlog as well. Chaps, I, I I speak to Ross every week. Have you got some questions for him? He's he's had all mine. <laughs> no, thanks for coming, Ross. No, I'm joking. No, no worries. <laughs> Um, you kind of, well, you, you, I know you got it care, you got the caretaker role, didn't you, Ross? Was it kind of a yeah. job you always had aspirations on, or was it kind of you ended up doing it, enjoyed it, and then you ended up in the full time role? And and how are you enjoying it now? Yeah, probably that one. To be fair, I, I was uh, obviously I was the caddy manager, and I didn't really. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I'd, I'd obviously watched a lot of managers, like I'd obviously watch Gary, Danny, and um, and Mark come in and and have a go at trying to. Trying to lift what is essentially a what uh, an ex football league club and and not quite succeed with it. So I had uh, I'd always watched it. I never really had ambitions for it to be hundred percent honest. And then uh, when I got it, it, I got a real taste for it. And yeah, I've enjoyed it. I mean, it, I enjoy it more when we're not losing. Um, I mean, the the Christmas period was horrible, um, and it was it wasn't very enjoyable. I think I, I think I uh, I really took the 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 derby games like. Like I, th- I took that quite hard to be fair, um, but I, I do enjoy it. The players are great, and like I get the opportunity to sort of uh, I get work football every day, and I get to try and try and lift this club, and 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 um, yeah, I'm very enjoying it. Really, I can't complain. Like I said, it's it's a lot easier when when the results go positively, as Rob, Rob obviously knows. Was that um, he forgot to say he gets he forgot to say that he gets to talk to me every week as well. It's got to be yeah, one of the biggest plus points. <laughs> so it's one of, one of the negatives of the job, eh? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> when you're losing. <laughs> you're losing, you see Rob stood there looking curious. Oh, it's like... Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll just, steps. No, I was just going to say, Ross, as well, you mentioned that period of derby games. I think there was a couple, another defeat in there. It was a... When you were caretaker, boss, were you thinking, oh, God, I've, I've messed it up here, you know, I've blown my chance? Yeah, I, do, you know, do you know what I did? I really did. And I think, like... Um, even now, I put a bit of pressure on myself. I've only got I'm, I'm only there till the end of the season, and you sort of sometimes you, you you sort of get into this mindset of like spiral a bit negatively, and you're like, oh god, have I messed have I messed it up, or am I not going to get an opportunity to do this? Is this my only opportunity to sort of have a go at something I really want to do? So you end up putting putting pressure on yourself in them them moments, but re- in reality, the the sort of best way to get through it and how I've sort of always tried to get through it is by just trying to plan as if I'm going to be there. And planning that I'm going to be there for the long term, really, and and trying to get back into that mindset at times when you when it's not going well is is a tough ask at times. And what what's the hardest part of the job been so far compared to sort of managing, say, an academy team? 
What is the hardest part? I mean, obviously, there's different. It comes with a bit of different pressures. I mean, I'm used to managing players, and I'm used to managing like even working with adult players, really, and and older players. So, so that element isn't isn't too 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 dissimilar, really. I think probably that's been the biggest thing that I would say is probably the same. The the difference has been probably the pressures and and dealing with fan expectation. Um, like I found that really hard, and you know, another uh, one of the hardest things about it. I'm almost a fan myself. Like I, li- I live like two minutes from the ground. Uh, I've grown. I'm not. I've like I've lived down here. I've only really lived around here, so I know this club so well and want to see it do well. And then to be in it, and then when it's not going well, to be part of the problem is like it almost take it quite personally. Uh, so I think that's probably been being the hardest thing and then and then to see people talk about as if as if it's like if I, I don't care or we don't care and it's the exact opposite it's, it's the complete opposite and I think that's probably been the hardest thing for me really it's brutal isn't it how yeah fickle fans can be of, of every club I mean it doesn't change which which the club is but it literally you experience that massive high of winning the first three games that you were involved and taking taking the training and, and, and picking the side and picking the tactics. Uh, you experience winning those three um, and then bang, crashing down at Torquay on a Tuesday night, 6-1 defeat and two more defeats. And 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 it's been quite roller coaster like so far, hasn't it? I mean, the important thing is overall, there's been a lot of W's in there and that's everything in football, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, after the first three games... I thought, oh, this is easy, isn't it? This is all right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then went to went to talking naively in a wet, horrible, windy, windy sort of like uh, first twenty first twenty minutes of that game was was absolutely awful. So that was a, a real uh, crash back to reality. But I've I, I probably wanted to say it more, but I've learned so much. And you sort of even though like even like managing games, and I've obviously managed lots of games, but but managing in that environment and. Man, being prepared for for different scenarios um, is probably one of the another big thing that I've really learned as well. I mean, you, you you've got you've got such such experienced managers and yesterday, like I said, I was laughing with Jay, like David Unsworth and Francis Jeffers in the dugout, and like for me as a as a Premier League fan in the nineties, it's just funny, isn't it? So like you're watching that and coming up through that, it's it's, it's mm. yeah, it's, it's that's probably another big thing as well. Did you get a hug off David Oldsworth? He's a big man, isn't he? <laughs> no, I, di- I didn't, to be fair. I-, I texted my mate, who's a massive Everton fan, straight after, though. And then I could have pretended that I got I got a hug off, off David Oldsworth. <laughs> it, 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 it made me laugh on Tuesday, because like um, Fondop went to square up to someone, and Oldsworth just put his hand on his shoulder and gently just moved him out of the way. And Fondop's not small, <laughs> is he? But Oldsworth <laughs> like he was a little child and moved. And... Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, Ross... Um... I assume um, you're you're a family man. Am I correct in that? Uh, no, so I've got a girl. I have, I have a girlfriend, but I have, ah, okay. uh, I don't have kids. I mean, I have a, I have a miniature dachshund, which is which is about enough for me. Ah, okay, no, I was just going to ask about sort of like the fact you know the changing role and how you yeah. know that's presumably taken. You know, being an academy manager isn't you know a, a small undertaking, but being the actual manager must be taking more of your time. And I just wondered about that adjustment in your personal life as well. Oh yeah, I mean and. Like to 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 be as to be as candidate has been a massive change. I used to have a, I had a routine at the when I worked as a academy manager, and it's knocked me out my routine and and like even things like like going to the gym and finding that time for myself has been tough. But my 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 partner has found it found it difficult in terms of 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 being online and being on social media. I think that's probably another 
another big thing that's had a massive impact on us because you've gone you've gone from being completely unknown really to sort of um a little well known overnight and that sort of change has has been a had a, had an impact on on probably people around me more than myself um my mum my mum like my mum just can't go on social media and she doesn't like doesn't listen to the games because she struggles listen to the games but um, all the shot though on the other side, the flip side of that, have had have now got a massive fan base up north. So that so there is the there is the positives. <laughs> like, yeah, said we had about twenty percent of the crowd. I think. I was going to say, is it, it northern accent? He's from the northeast. I was thinking, is it Cumbrian or northeast? I couldn't work it out. It's like a watered a watered down Mackham accent. So yeah, I've got. I'm a Sunland. I'm a Sunland boy. I moved away from Sunland when I was eighteen to go to university and sort of. Not gone back. Hence why I use like a lot. So I've used like in my interviews a lot, and I get a lot yeah. of flack for it. So I've had to stop using like uh, my dialect my, as much. As, as, as my mum's upset about it. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. How, how did you end up down south? Then you you went to university. Was that it? No. So I went to uni at Leeds, um, and then I did uh, I did a degree at Leeds, and I coached, and I sort of I fell into like. Um, uh, further education in universities, and 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 worked in football within that sector. Um, and then I worked in football clubs sort of on the side. So I've, I've, been, I've coached really since I was about 21. Obviously, I'm, I'm 39 now. And and then I moved down here in 2012. I got a sort of head of football job at a college and went down there, went and did that job and then moved to Aldershot as a caddy manager about, about four or five years ago. So I've, I've, all, I've, all, I've always had a, a sort of passion for, like, for youth development. And I've always said, if you'd have asked me, Probably twelve months ago, you'd have asked me what I want to do for my career. I'd have, probably, I'd have said stay in youth development, but obviously things change and and circumstances change, and here we are. Any reason why you went straight into coaching and didn't play, Ross? Or did you play a little bit when you? I did play. A, I did play a little bit actually. Um, I, I I played. I played semi pro and I played for my for my university side, and um, I, I was never never anything more than sort of step four, step three player. That was my level. Um, the uh, I I think it was always a um, I just fell into it's probably the wrong word, but it was always something I just did on the side. I never really, you know, like when you leave uni and you don't really know what you're going to do. And I taught a bit, and I did a bit of uh, I did my PGCE, and um, I, I sort of coached on the side, and I never really knew what I wanted to do, and I just consistently stayed in it. And then I got a full time job working in a, working in a, um, working at Sunderland. I went back to Sunderland for a year, then then obviously moved down here. So that's probably how I've ended up. It's a bit more. It's been a bit more. Um, uh, like I've not. I've not by design. By design wasn't by design. It was a bit more default, and I've always sort of played football. So it sort of sort of fell into it really. I have got one more question. Then of course we must review the games from the weekend. Um, you brought in some fresh young legs of late. A couple of eighteen and twenty year olds, particularly in midfield. I'm just fascinated to know, Ross. I know you're a coach. You've, with Terry Brown there in this role as, as as director of football, for want of a better title, um, was it a question of you and him discussing what type of player you wanted, and then him him doing a lot of the work, or have we worked on it together? Uh, we've worked on it together. I, um, I, th- I think I've not been. I've got some people helping me with, helping me with recruitment. I've obviously got James and, and Tristan as well. Um, I had. Uh, I'm a bit. I'm a. I'm a. We haven't got much money. <laughs> I've never been. I've never. I don't think as ever. I don't think we need to pretend that we have and. Um, yeah. We're not. We're not one of the most. We can't afford the top players in the league. So I'm of the belief if we can get some youth and, and get some energy and, and get mobility and, and get around the pitch, we can compete with anyone on our day. So that was my 
my thought process in terms of how I can move this club forward, and and then even as a as a sort of uh, product of that, we can we can move players on at a, a profit. So rather than having players who who um, necessarily can't do that, we want to go that way. So I spoke to Terry, and we, we highlighted a few players that we liked and and that are that fit that sort of category. I thought we were really light in midfield. Um, and and we were struggling. We'd been struggling there all season, so that was my first priority to sort of get some bodies in there, and then and then look to get some bodies on the back line who can can sort of again add to that value, athleticism, and 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 dyna- dy- bit, be a bit more dynamic. So that's where we want to go. That's where we're going. Um, and I know a lot of people have been like, oh, they're young kids and they lack experience, but uh, we we can't. We're not a club who can. That's go the and brutal get, reality of it. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. We just can't go. I can't. We can't go and get a twenty-eight-year-old centre midfielder who's played two hundred times in the league or two hundred times in the national league. We just can't because of the money that would cost. So we have to think outside the box, do things a little bit differently, um, and that's where we want to go. And it, and it's, that's where we're going to go um, as long as I'm here for sure. And Terry is a big advocate of it. And like like I've said, the the there is there is down downsides to that. They're, they're inexperienced. They're going to make mistakes, and we're going to get beat sometimes. But we're going to get beat anywhere. And the positives of that is they're fearless, they're energetic, they're dynamic. They want to learn and they want to get better, and uh, they will uh, run themselves into the ground for the football club. So that is a positive in itself. So. We're going to look at the league action very, very shortly, but we must wish uh, Rex some good luck as we record this on Sunday day of Sheffield United in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Boreham Wood, they were hoping to reach the fourth round. They had heartbreak. They lost 1-0 at Accrington in uh, the FA Cup replay. Of course, Accrington went on to play Leeds. Boreham Wood ended up with a trip to Altrigan. We'll find out how that went very shortly. So Knox County, they made ground on Wrexham. They went level on points, albeit having played a game more. Macaulay Langstaff scoring his 23rd goal of the season, capitalising onto a underhit bat pass by Jamie Stott to round Sam Johnson and put the ball into the net. And Halifax are in a bit of a rut, aren't they? But Knox County going well. I mean, we'll get onto the bottom of the table shortly. Um, but a vital win that for Knox County, wasn't it? Yeah, Ross, um, you've been particularly impressed by Notts County, haven't you? And they did give all the shot a, uh, a really, really good game, didn't they, a few weeks back? Yeah, they did. I thought they were right after we, we, I thought we did actually quite restrict them a little bit, but they've got such good players. And, and they, 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 I think they brought John Boston off the bench for the last like, 10 minutes. <laughs> just, just, just tough, really. <laughs> you like, stand there. What we like, That's mental. And then, yeah, the rotations and like, Rodriguez, and, and they just they just pin you back and... and it's it's almost uh, it's almost unfair, really. <laughs> you're, like, you're trying to get out, and you are, you have to naturally go into this sort of low block to try and counteract it. And yeah, I was mighty impressed, mighty impressed with with not counting. to be doing that. Like, obviously, I'm new. I'm new to managing the national league, and I've I'm starting to learn about teams and managers and players, and that's probably another another thing that comes with my experience. But but I can't imagine many teams were playing that type of football in the national league of conference five six years ago. So it shows how far the level has come, really. And Luke, just a quickie, I know this is a little bit out of sync now, slot it in earlier in the pod if you want, but I just wanted to give, because we went off the trail, didn't we, of talking about Oldham, uh, I just wanted to say, and I'm sure Ross would agree, Oldham Athletic are not going down this season, they may be fifth or fourth, sixth bottom at the moment, but the quality they've got in their side, and I know they've gone through something like 48 players this season, but 
in these players here, Magnus Norman in goal, Liam Hogan, Mark Kitchen, Shelton, Tollett, Rooney, Fondop and Nuttall. Oldham have got eight players of EFL standard and, uh, uh, you know, th there's no way that they're going down. They're starting to build something there and I think better things lie ahead for Oldham next season. Would you concur with that, Ross? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's made them hard to beat um, and that's probably that's that's where he's getting he's picking up the points from. So they're... He's, he's, he's made them a lot more compact and a lot more difficult to beat, but like, I think they're undefeated in four as well. And like, they're obviously showing the goal yesterday. They can do moments of like brilliant things. And like, he, he, they probably could have nicked it at the end. So I thought they were a good side. I thought they were good. So one of, one of, one of the, the, certainly not one of the weaker teams we've come up against. Yeah. Talking of Halifax as well, they, um, they were on an unbeaten run up until they played Scunthorpe in midweek. Although I saw them against Altigam on, um, on New Year's Day, and it wasn't, they weren't great. They managed to scrape a draw in the end. The fans weren't happy. They were even uh, unhappy when he went down to Torquay and then lost. And then they lost at home to Scunthorpe by a goal to nil. Scunthorpe were okay. They battled hard. Halifax were dreadful. And then they lost 1 0 at Notts County. And after having a bad start, then recovering, they seem to be in a bit of a rut again, don't they? Yeah, I just don't know what the issue is with expectation at Halifax. We'll have to get one of their supporters on at some point. But we talk about it all the time, don't we? They're bang mid-table, okay, just lower mid, 17th, but they're seven points clear of the relegation zone, seven points off the playoffs. Um, and I just don't know what, why Halifax fans have such high expectations. They massively overachieved by making the playoffs last season. It was a, a fantastic achievement and, and their manager rightly got... Uh, a promotion to the EFL himself out of that and he's doing well with Barrow. Um, but yeah, I'd say, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, Halifax bang mid-table um, is roughly where they should be, but th th they've got higher expectations there. Um, you boys are further north than me. Any ideas behind it? No. I mean, like I say, they had, um, there was always criticism of Pete Wilde even when they were like up there challenging. Um yeah, it's an interesting one. I think because they breached the sort of playoffs the last couple of seasons, I think they expected to sort of kick on again. And obviously they're kind of below where they were the last couple of seasons. So I think that's where it's kicked in. There's a lot of irony that the chairman and they don't feel the manager's good enough. So it's it's an interesting one, really. The life of a manager. I mean, Millington was getting stick at the start, wasn't he? Then he's a, he's a genius up till Christmas and now he's, uh, now he's hopeless again. So... You'll know it, Ross. The um, the ups and downs of management, eh? Yeah, one minute you get the statue, the next minute they're pulling it down, isn't it? It's it's uh, it's tough. It is tough, but I can under I can understand. I don't know. I haven't come across and played Halifax. Obviously, I know I've got a friend of mine who co I know someone who coaches there. So, but um, through a friend. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know too much about them. We haven't met them yet, but yeah. Woking didn't play. They were in third position. I think the result of the day, though, or or is it Rob? Is it a massive surprise? Barnet are flying. Uh, and they kabambered Chesterfield, didn't they? <laughs> they certainly did. I think it's goals 16, 17 and 18 this season for Nicky Kabamba. Um, yeah, they did. I just, I, I, fair play to Dean Brennan. Another clean sheet in there as well. I don't I don't know how he's turned it around so well. But um, yeah, that's a real eye-catching result, that. And uh, a lot of Chesterfield supporters are saying, you know, don't forget, we've got two or three games in hand. We're still in this title race as well. I think that was a big, big blow to it yesterday. Um, you know, they now find themselves 13 points off it. And 
it's going to take a really good run from Chesterfield, maybe four or five wins on the trot for that belief to continue. And all credit to Barnet, who've really cemented their place in the playoffs. And uh, I think they've got some like a six-point cushion in there now. Um, and as I look at the top seven, as it is today, um, yeah, the two big surprises in there, for, perhaps from the start of the season, are Woking and, and Barnet. A terrific result for them, a real, a real coup. Uh, in sixth and seventh, it is Bromley and Dagenham and Redbridge. Really inconsistent for them this season. Bromley drew 1-1 away at Scunthorpe. Michael Cheek scoring there. But then Elliot Whitehouse equalising towards the end for Scunthorpe. And Dagenham and Redbridge lost 2-0 at home to Yeovil. Yeovil's first away win under Mark Cooper. Ross, quickly, it's, it's very tight in those playoff spots. I mean, no pressure, but I think Rob's dreaming of a playoff push. Now you're only five points off them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, game by game, Rob. Game by game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, I mean, we we played Dagenham and Bromley. I thought Bromley were really good. I do think Bromley were really good. Dagenham have them um, have Walker and McCallum, don't they? And Marais up top, and I think that can that can sort of win your games on its own. So, and they're very hard. The back three were were really compact and hard to beat. So, it's a difficult one because they're both very very different. Um, but I did like. I did think when we played Bromley, uh, they were a very good side and and. Um, they had some very good players and they attacked well as well. They, they, tried, they tried to play some football, so I did quite like Bromley when we played them. So, Southend and Eastleigh both are just outside the playoffs. They met down in Southend on sea and uh, a good win for Eastleigh. They're just going under the radar, aren't they, Rob, a little bit? And uh, as you pointed out earlier in the season about their, their recruitment in the summer, it's starting to pay dividends now. It certainly is. They brought a lot of players in from... Uh... The, the lower echelons of the EFL that hadn't quite got a first-team place. Um, and they are putting results together very solidly back-to-back. You've got two teams there level on 38 points with very, very different expectations. I should think Eastleigh fans will be delighted with uh, their first 27 games of the season where they sit. And at South End, it's just a mixture, isn't it, of them getting a lot right on the pitch, but so much still going on off of it. Uh, a lot of controversy again this weekend involving... Uh, some video footage with a fan approaching Stan Collymore asking him what he's doing for the club and stuff like that. And a lot of other South End fans rallying and saying that don't pick on Stan. You know, his heart's in the right place. Um, it, it's not him, it's Ron Martin, you know. So the woes continue for, for South End, don't they? And, um, you know, all I can say is well done, Kevin Maher and, the, and his management team for, for having South End just a point and a place off the playoffs despite all of that going on. Ross, in terms of Eastley's sort of blueprint, that's something that you obviously want to try and replicate at Aldershot, where, like like you said, maybe the budget's not as big and, you, and with you knowing the academy scene, I suppose that, that serves you well in that sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I mean, he's got, um, they've got the ex-Bournemouth boy in defence and they've got JJ in centre midfield from Watford, haven't they? And they've got Oscar Oscar Rutherford as well. So they've got some really, they've got another boy on law, I forgot, but they've got some really good young players. I think it, it's a... If you haven't got the money to to compete, it's a it's a great blueprint, and it seems to be really working well for them. I know I know Jason Bristol there really well, and I speak to him quite a bit, and um, he obviously seems he seems to be bewildered by how well they're doing. So, but like they keep getting results, and like they, I think they went and won at Walking before before our sort of derby games as well. So shows you what they can do and when they when they turn up, and they're they're quite consistent as well. They don't seem to to be getting sort of. Not like us, where we're free, then free, then free, then free, or, or what Dagenham and Brom, Bromley are. They're more, they're more of a. Well, they might win a couple, lose one, and maybe win one and draw one. So they're quite consistent with it. Just below, um, just below 
those two teams. You've got Wheelstone. I know Joe, who's regular on this podcast, did a blog this week asking about who might sneak in the playoffs. A couple of people did say Wheelstone and Dickey. Another impressive season for Wheelstone, and it looked like they're on the way to three points against Gateshead. Um, but a good comeback for Gateshead. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think Gateshead, um, they um, went down 3-0 at home in midweek against Wrexham, which you know wasn't entirely a surprise. You would have expected Wrexham uh, to pick up maximum points from that one. But yeah, to rebound with a win at Wheelston, who, who you know, are overachieving, I would say, um, is is a terrific result for them. Danny Elliott on, um, with one of the goals, Adam Campbell with the second. Coming from behind as well, Matt Tretchmore had given Wheelston the lead in that game as well. So to rebound from that um will we'll give you know mike williamson's team um some some hope and some heart i would have thought it's mark white watch time rob isn't it his yeah. uh his post matches are always interesting it was um referee james durkin who felt his ire after darkin went down at home by three goals to nil to Solhill moors yeah i mean um i think mark was quoted as saying you can <laughs> You, you, when you're 1-0 down to a team like Solihull Moors and you have a player sent off, and that's happened, by the way, to them in both games home and away this season, um, it's, a, it's, it's a side you're going to struggle to come back and, and, and get into the game. Ross, I can see nodding in the background, having having been absolutely battered by Solihull Moors a couple of Tuesdays ago and held firm for the win. Um, yeah, a lot of frustration from Mark about the referee. And I think if you, if you listen to his post-match comments, they're not... They are particularly aimed at the referee that refereed his game yesterday. But I think there's an overall kind of cry of frustration that with a lack of officials, a lack of depth in officials in the country, it's just the reality that referees are going to get promoted perhaps to a higher level than they're ready for. And I'm not saying that's the case with James Durkin, of course, because he's been a referee at National League level for for four seasons and uh, and I think his father's pretty well known as a former premiership referee that's involved in assessing now um, and I have to say on previous games that I've seen James Durkin he looks one of the more competent referees but it obviously didn't go well for him uh, and particularly for Dorkin yesterday um, and Solly Moores Ross I mean they were a good team right out of luck in recent weeks weren't they and uh, and, and their comeback was inevitable Oh yeah, they were they were very, they were very I mean we raced into a two goal lead, which I don't think helped us. Um because they just went flat out for it. And it was yeah, it wasn't wasn't the uh, easiest watch, certainly the second half, last 40, 40, 40 minutes, 35 minutes. But yeah, they're a really good side. You play these sides who drop players into different spaces and, and rotate players and they're so hard, unless you're gonna sit in this sort of compact shape, they're so hard to play against or so hard to get anything against. So I was really, really surprised by Solly Hull in a sense that I couldn't believe they were down where they were. Um, and uh, I'm sure, like I said to I said to Terry the other day, they, they, they're going to have to. I think they'll still push playoffs. I really, really do. I think, they'll, I think they're going to turn a corner. I think once they turn a corner and they'll start getting results, you can't attack like that and create that many chances and keep getting, being that unlucky. So I'm sure it'll turn. Yeah, Solly Hull have added uh, Mark Beck as well, Dickie, which is a... Uh... A good signing for Zohill, but a blow for Darlington. Yeah, it is. Yeah, leading scorer in National League North, um, Mark Beck. Um, I, I I don't know whether Solihull have just missed, um, you know, having 
at that focal point that they can use sometimes if they want to mix things up. You know, they had Kyle Hudlin last season. He was such a an awkward, you know, character customer to play against. You know, he's he's the he's the like of player you don't come up against that often these days. Um, I wouldn't say um, Mark Beck was necessarily exactly like him, but you know, with with his height, I think he's something like six foot four, six foot five. He gives Solihull a different option. Um, Obviously, Darlington fans disappointed to see him go, but I think a release clause had been triggered in his contract. You can't blame him for wanting to go back into full-time football. Um, and yeah, uh, it is uh, it is definitely a blow for Darlington, given their league position. But I think Solihull have added a, a, a decent player there, certainly. Defeat for Yacht, they're in 15th. They lost a 16-place maiden head. I know I worried for, for Yacht, just the way that they played on Tuesday. There's a lot of discontent there. They are clear seven points of the relegation zone at the minute but equally as we mentioned playoff spots um they're only seven points off that so um it's a it's a funny one especially with york isn't it dicky at the minute there's a lot of doom and gloom around again seems to be i mean at this point last year um they'd got everything going in the right direction um on the field things were clicking um you know John Askey came in and did a, a great job with York and, and obviously his leaving is is part of the, the, the reason for the despondency around the club at the moment. But but yeah, this point last year, the fans were on board. They they had more fans coming into the games and it built up into this, uh, the momentum they built meant they, when it got to the playoffs, they were almost unstoppable. Um, Askey's departure this season um, because of the falling out with the chairman, um, is is you know really taken the legs from under them by the looks of things and the fans have fallen back into that sort of familiar slump that they've been feeling for the you know the last five six years really being in national league north and i think that's probably where some of their despondency comes from in that you know having thought they turned a corner um it, it, it now doesn't look quite in quite so rosy for them and I think unfortunately they've fallen a bit too easily back into that negative mindset but things aren't great there um, and um, yeah the, it, it is a very odd one I mean they, they could literally go either way at the moment you feel Shaq Ford and Linnell John Lewis up top with Shaq Ford a bright youngster and Linnell John Lewis up top who scored on um, Saturday I think they'll be okay York I think uh, I don't really see them getting dragged into it. And and uh, I have to stick with that thought about Maidenhead as well. Everybody everybody wants to predict Maidenhead to go down every year, but Dev's just too canny. Yeah, yeah. Maidenhead won't go down well. They, ne- they never do. Uh, two teams yeah. who, are, who are in danger of going down, Torquay and Maidstone met in Devon. And, and Joe was a, a happy boy. It was Torquay who ended up winning by a goal to nil against Maidstone through an Aaron Jarvis goal. Massive win that for Torquay, wasn't it, in the end? And Maidstone are now, have now dropped to bottom because obviously Scunthorpe leapfrogged them with that draw against Bromley. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, quick summary from Joe, actually, about that game. Uh, said Torquay bossed the game, uh, had most of the shots and possession, but 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 uh, struggled at times to create. Ben Wyatt missed an open goal and... Jarvis got them out of trouble with 11 minutes to go. Um, and uh, uh, who wants to highlight a negative? I, I don't, just to say that Maidstone looked, looked a poor side. Um, and it's going to be very, very difficult for, for Maidstone and, and, and Scunthorpe. And I think in both cases, 
um, it's perhaps the uh, the new the new influx, whether it's um, the new owners at Scunthorpe, whether it's a new manager at Maidstone, they're, they're really clutching at those things now to give them something to just bounce up from where they are because it's looking a long way in from here. Boreham Wood won 2 0 away at Aldrigan, Will Evans and Femi Elisamni on the score sheet. We're also just thinking with the with the FA trophy, with the, the the way some of the I think I noted this last week, the the way some of the higher profile sides in the division have fallen away. Um I know you'll be taking things game by game because that's what managers do. But you know, it did, uh, are you looking at that trophy game as as possibly is Wembley it entered your head at all because I know, you know, Rob, you've never seen Aldershot at Wembley um, uh, and it would be, you know, delivering something that, that the fans there have never had. Yeah. Um, it doesn't enter my head in terms of all of the time, but I think it will be, it's important to have a go in that competition. I think it's important to, to the, to the fan base. They've not had, had much to sort of shout about over the, over the previous years. And let's like, like you said to Rob, we've never, we've never been to Wembley. So in our entire history, so to have that or to, to sort of for the players to have that as a target and, and try and make themselves um, sort of iconic at the club. I think it's a, it's a great carrot really. So it's something we want to do. It, it's been, it's hard to, you never, I mean, it's a cup competition, right? You just don't, you just don't know. So Dawkins have been really good in the competition and they've knocked out, obviously they knocked out Yeovil and they've, um, They've had really good results. Kidderminster, yeah, they're not, yeah. Where we've we've played league teams below us, um, so they've had a good run in it, and obviously it's 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 good to get sort of maybe in that local it was a little bit of a derby feel when we went there. So I think that's that's quite good for the good for us as well. But of course we want to have a go at it. Of course we want to push. Where I know we keep mentioning playoffs, and I think that's it's great to even have that conversation. But but in reality we were second bottom and getting ourselves safe and getting ourselves mid table and getting to that 50 points mark has to be the target. And that will always remain the target. Um, 50 points is the target, but we can have a little cup run and get a little bit of excitement and and do that for, for the fans. Of course we want to do it. Again, Ross, no pressure on uh, getting to Wembley. Every fan says it to me, but every fan says it the first thing they say to me is that get us to Wembley, get us to Wembley. So, uh, yeah, no pressure, no pressure. I just think on that, just there's always a flip side to every story. And when you look at the Dorking Wanderers story, it's fantastic. It's like a fairy tale. You couldn't write it, could you? And, you know, the way they've come through the leagues, 12 promotions in 23 years, and they've bedded in quite nicely at this level. Yes, they're struggling a little bit at the moment with some key players out and a poor run of form. But Dorking Wanderers have never been this far in the FA Trophy before. They've never been three wins away from Wembley either. And that's the one thing that you always, when you're blinkered as a fan, you always forget about the <laughs> other side of it. And 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 I I was initially a little bit gutted. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I make no secret of it. I'm fond of Dorkin. I'm fond of uh, Mark White. Um, and and initially I was a bit gutted at that draw. And then I started to think, well, hang on a minute. You know, okay, if Aldershot don't progress, then maybe Dorkin will, and maybe Dorkin will write another chapter in that you know ridiculous history. Um, where, you know, I think as Mark always says, never write off the Wanderers. And I know Ross won't be doing that when he plans for his games the next couple of weeks, actually. The next two Saturdays, Aldershot play at home to Dorking. It's first up in the league on the 4th and then uh, following up on the 11th. And uh, I expect you're looking forward to locking horns with Mark White again. You're, you're one up, aren't you, from the first game, but it counts for nothing next week or the week after. No, you'd, and, and I know you said they're not in great form and stuff, but... 
they're still a good. They're still such a good side. They're horrible to play against, by the way, because they attack so much, and it either goes, it goes one way or the other, really, and it takes. It's it's almost so much chaos. Um, and I know they've they've got a lot of players out injured and they're missing some big names, certainly in the forward line and in the defence. So um, I'm sure it'll be a great game, and and it was a cracking game. I thought in in the sort of in the game at their place and they were a little bit unlucky. They could have went they could have went one nil two nil up and, and we managed to catch them and probably be a little bit better than moving in the second half. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mark's Mark Mark was very, very, very kind and, and very complimentary when we went there. And I've always said I've got a few I've got we used to have a few Academy boys who play there now and I know I know one of the directors really well. So uh, probably the fans don't our fans don't like saying I've got a bit of a soft spot for them. I like to see them doing well and and like to sort of bring that sort of Gung ho mentality, it's it's good fun, really. Gunslingers, that's the word. Gunslingers, gunslingers. Gun, Darren Saul called them gunslingers, isn't it? I love that. I think it's class. Are you going to um? Are you going to try and match him in the fashion stakes, Ross? <laughs> skinny, some skinny jeans and a baseball cap. I don't think I could pull it off. He pulls it off much better than me. Real, uh, Ross. Thanks for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries. Thank you for having me on. Very, very, very kind. So thank you. Nice to nice to meet you. Nice to meet you and Luke. And nice to meet you, Dicky. Move on and look at the National League South. Ebsleet's wobble is over. They've uh, they beat Concord by four goals to one on Saturday. A couple of goals for Rakish Bingham and a couple for Dominic Polian. After Mo Betimer had opened a scoring for Concord, Dartford, however, going the other way now. They lost 3-0 away at Worthing. Uh, an own goal by Wilkes. Uh, Ollie Pierce scored, as did Davide Radari. And to compound of misery, Alex Wall was sent off on 72 minutes. And haven't they could only draw 1-1 at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough. James Roberts with a goal there, equalised by Dean Inman. So a mixed day for the top three. Yeah, very much. And, a re- you know, Ebsfleet, a really good weekend for them. Their lead's now up to six points. They've got a game in hand on Dartford as well. And they're looking really well set again after that kind of uh, festive season wobble that they had. Um, and then in some of the sides coming up behind as well, some real good tidy achievements that go a little bit unnoticed at times. But Oxford City, Worthing, mm. Chelmsford and St Albans make up the other seven. Uh, Welling uh, beat Chelmsford at Chelmsford. And as we talked about the other week, you know, the way Chelmsford play, it's always tight. There's not a lot in it. And just occasionally now they're getting undone by a 1-0 defeat. Um, looking at those other sides that we just mentioned, Oxford City beat Weymouth by three Yeah, they move up to fourth now, don't they, as well? Yeah, brace there for, for Josh Parker. Did really well there. St Albans got another 1-0 away win to Fari Moore with a second half goal there. So um, those sides are sort of just chuntering along nicely, um, you know, to make up the other places in the uh, National League South playoff positions. Eastbourne Borough just outside of that, only on uh, goal difference. And they had a decent win. Uh, never an easy place to go and win at Dulwich Hamlet. Big crowds there. Gravata, uh, Remy and Walker with the goals. Funny enough, all in the last 10 minutes, um, Dulwich Hamlet had led from half-time, George Porter goal, and it looked like the points were staying at Champion Hill until those last 10 minutes. Uh, apparently an absolute cracker from the evergreen Charlie Walker as well. Uh, over 3,000 there as well at Dulwich as well, so great crowd there down at Champion Hill. Tombridge and Braintree, they cancelled each other out nil-nil in the end after Tombridge had won 3-0 in midweek against Dover, so a good win in that derby for them. Um, down at the bottom, Hungerford and Chippenham, um, 
again, it's uh, Chippenham are just chipping away there out of the relegation zone now. Uh, and they've also got two games in hand on Chesson, who are just below them. Uh, they'll be looking upward. A goal from Craig Fasson Mendy in the first minute of stoppage time now, which broke Hungerford Hearts. It was 10 man Hungerford. He went down to 10 men on 86 minutes after Ryan Jones had been sent off. Uh, they had gone ahead through Joel Rawlinson, but as I mentioned, Fass and Mendy pegged them back there at the end. Chessunt, they drew 1-1 against Scotty Davis's Slough. It was Lee Togwell who rescued a point in the 55th minute. Hemel and Dover played out a 0-0 draw. And um, another club you're interested in, Rob Farmer, a good away win for them at Bath. They've had some transfer activity as well this week. Yeah, they have. And uh, Sutton United came in for Hakan Kasimu. Is that his, his, certainly his, got his surname right, if not his first. Um, yeah, he's a bright young striker. He's uh, double figures goals for the season. He did play in the FA Cup tie where Farnborough beat Sutton. He didn't particularly stand out for me that day, but Sutton have been watching him ever since. And uh, they've stumped up an undisclosed fee for him. Um, and Farnborough, well... They're not too badly off up front, are they? Because they've got Mason Bloomfield, um, who it was that got the winning goal for them. And uh, they're in pretty decent form. I think if you looked at form for the last eight or ten games, Farnborough will be right up there in the top three or four. They're gradually closing the gap, sitting in 11th now, but they're still nine points off the playoffs. But much, much better times for them. And regardless, you have to say they've settled in really, really well in the National League South and had that FA Cup run. Uh, to boot as well, and that big day out at, uh, at Wrexham. So Farnborough ticking along nicely. Yeah, second only to Ebsley uh, in form over the last five games. And like you say, I think if you you know Farnborough's chairman really well, if you'd have offered him that position at this stage, you'd have snapped your hand off, I think, wouldn't he? I think so. I think, you know, we can all get carried away, especially on the back of a promotion. We're going to tear through this league and all the rest of it. I think... Um, I did consider them possible outside um, outside uh, possibilities for the playoffs, uh, but um, one or two others, Joe and Tom, I think that watched that league a little bit more than I do, thought that that no, they probably wouldn't pull up too many trees this season. But they've certainly bedded themselves in nicely, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, Garbo, Simon Gardner, he's he's an ambitious chairman, and so of course is uh, Spencer Day, the manager, and um, you know they'll they'll be doing a little bit in the National League South, what Mark White's talking to doing in the uh, National League, and doing a bit of sightseeing this season, settling themselves in nicely, and working out you know what uh, where they need to strengthen for next season. So let's move on and look at the National League North, and uh, in the National League North, it's uh, Fylde who are top. They had a, an interesting game against Chester, both on and off the field. Yeah, they did. Um, it was a, a one-all draw on the field um, between the two sides. Connor Barrett had given filed the lead just before half-time. But uh, yeah, it was a, a case of the X returning. Kurt Willoughby, who's uh, been banging plenty of goals in for Chester this season, returning to his former club and equalising in the 66th minute. There was a really lengthy delay during this game as well. And, and there's some... I, I, I wouldn't say go and seek, seek them out because there are some videos circulating on social media of Chester um, followers. I'm not going to call them fans, but people who perhaps attach themselves to Chester um, encroaching onto the pitch behind the goal uh, during the game. The referee took the players off uh, out of safety concerns. The reason I say don't go and look for them is, is it almost feels like that's exactly the kind of thing that people are doing this for, you know, for the socials, putting this on social media. Um, so, you know, it, it, 
circulating those kind of things is just sort of adding to the problem really if, if people don't think they're going to be watched are they going to do it um but yeah that that's a, a really unfortunate side to this game and i think there was probably a little bit of needle between these two sides i think for them um something that happened at, uh, at chester earlier in the season as well so um yeah, I mean, it is a blow for Fold. They've been on a tremendous run under Adam Murray, and I think he's still probably in with a good shout of being um, manager of the month for January, going uh, given how well he's done. But yeah, good point for Chester too. At Kingsland, uh, keeping up the pressure on them as well. A good 3-0 away at a place that we know is tough to go in Leamington. Yeah, it is. Leamington are just sliding towards the, the bottom end of the table a little bit and um you would you would have expected Kings Lynn to, to record a victory given you know that the, they are close to the top of the table. Um they got their opener yesterday through Christian Oxlade Chamberlain, brother of uh, uh Alex, uh, then uh, gone from Aaron Cosgrave in the second half uh, and Spencer Keller adding a third. Killed Leamington off really, but yeah, Kingsland just sitting in, uh, tucked in behind, foiled and, and looking dangerous. And and just a point behind Kingsland, a Darlington and Brackley and, and both had good wins, didn't they? Both good wins at home as well. Yes, they did. I mean, Brackley's was um, the, the more routine of them. Uh, they beat Gloucester City 4-0. They were 3-0 up by half-time. Goals from Jimmy Armson in the fourth minute, Adam Rooney and Cosmos Matwasa either side of the half-hour mark. And then, yeah, they added a fourth late on through Levi Amanchi. That that was probably... Um, sounded like a fairly routine day at the office for Brackley under Roger Johnson. Different story for Darlington because they had the blow of losing Mark Beck, which we mentioned earlier on, and you might have wondered how they would get on against them. A game against County Durham Rye Spenny Moore as well and James Curtis gave Spenny Moore the lead in the ninth minute but yeah Darlington responded goals from Jack Lambert I think he's going to be very important to them um, now that uh, the Beck has left and two from Jacob Hazel in the 20th and then in the 48th minute put Darlington into a 3-1 lead Connor Shanks he's a recent addition to um, the ranks at Spenny Moore he got his first goal for the club in the 75th minute but yeah Darlington did enough there to claim all three points Clearly wasn't a shank, I'm guessing, either. From <laughs> No, Shanks wasn't pony on the day. It was uh, not a great game between Bradford Park Avenue and Charlie. It finished 0-0. Charlie are in that last playoff place. So um, let's look down at the bottom then. Um, and it was an interesting week midweek, wasn't it, Dickie, as well? Uh, as well as on Saturday. Yeah, it was. Two sides came um, uh, up against one another yesterday. We enjoyed really positive uh, wins in midweek. Blythe had um, helped themselves a bit with a 1-0 win over Southport in midweek, but um, Buxton had lost to Farsley Celtic and and I think that was something like a third defeat on the run for Buxton. So Blythe must have been feeling reasonably confident going into this one at Croft Park, but it was Buxton that ran out with a 3-0 win. Goals from Sam Osborne and then two from Brad Jackson, who's on loan to them from Altrincham in the second half, uh, took um, the the game away from Blythe and manager Graham Fenton, um, pretty unhappy after the game. But I know full on Mark pushed... White, didn't he? <laughs> yes, you pointed me in the direction of his post match interview, and yeah, they they had to have the bleep button uh, at one point. I mean, Graham Fenton um, spoke about you know the, the hundreds of games he's had as a manager and classed it as possibly the worst performance that he'd ever had from a side that he's managed. Um, Disgusting, it... he called it, didn't he? 
He did, yeah. He added something else onto that as well. But yeah, they, he. Um, it's a difficult one because he did really sort of like lay into the players. Um, and I guess we'll find out whether that was the right thing to do. And when, you know, if he gets a response from that, there'll be people who say, well, he did absolutely the right thing in, in blasting them. If Blythe don't respond to that, there'll be people who are saying, well, he did the wrong thing because, you know, he's he's demoralised those players at a point where he needed them to play for him. So, you know, Graham Fenton's been a manager for, you know, a long, long time. Um, uh, he will know what he was doing when he made those comments yesterday and it just waits to be seen, um, you know, whether they helped. I mean, Buxton did uh, push themselves a little bit away from the uh, relegation zone without winning a much needed victory for Craig Elliott there. Yeah, and he's dropped Kettering into it. We've not really mentioned Kettering sort of yet as being uh, in danger. And, um, well, Dylan Bells might be ringing there a little bit, wasn't it? A 2-0 defeat at Alfreton. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I probably would have um, predicted this result yesterday. You know, Alfreton is a difficult place to go. Goals from Matt Reed in the seventh minute and then Adele Southwell plenty in the second half put Kettering away. I think the thing about the teams in the in in the bottom um, or in the relegation zone, with the exception of Telford, who we'll come on to, um, they they all they're all losing games, but they all look as if they have the ability to win one every now and again. Whereas Telford's problem is that they just continue to keep drawing, yeah. um, and uh, you know. I, I think Kettering are one of those that every now and again they will throw in, you know, a W which you're not expecting, but they're also you know losing games too and. Are they in danger? Yeah, I think very definitely they are with four going down. Yeah, you mentioned Telford there. The unbeaten run continues, but again, another draw. And if you can just turn a couple of those draws into wins, you'll be back in business. Well, potentially so. I mean, um, I, I spoke to Kevin Wilkin after the game as as part of my media duties for him. And, you know, we found ourselves talking about another 1-1 draw at home, which I think is the third in the month of January. Um, they've held leads in three games in January, but have not been able to hold on. You know, that would be an additional six points if they could have held on to those. And six points would have them, you know, really, you know, on the the edges of getting out of those relegation places. But yeah, they just can't seem to put teams away at the moment. It is a sixth game um, without defeat, but only one win in those six games. I think that's the concern. Um, Adam Livingston gave him the lead yesterday with a slightly freakish goal. I'm not entirely sure whether he meant it, but yeah, one that went over the head of uh, goalkeeper Tony McMillan, hit the inside of the post and rebounded into the net. But Connor Woods levelled six minutes into the second half of Southport. And I think a draw probably on the balance of things was a fair result. Should Boston be worried as well? A 2-2 draw against Scarborough, albeit they came from behind twice? Um, I think possibly they should. And I think some of their fans are two goals from Kieran McGuckin for Scarborough yesterday. Um, he opened the scoring. Luke Shields, the Boston captain, equalised McGuckin's second goal just before halftime, had them 2-1 up. But a Jake Wright, I think that's Jake Wright Jr., equaliser in the 79th minute. Boston just can't keep that they, they just concede goals at home and it's been their Achilles heel all season and it and you know they pulled it round yesterday but they've just got to keep that back door shut more often. Yeah Farsley couldn't build on that win in midweek. They went down five two at Curzon Ashton. Uh, National League North fans will know these names. Josh Hancock he scored twice, Tom Pierce he scored twice and Craig Mann. Dave Size he scored for Farsley and uh, Frankie Mulhern for Farsley, so um, a bit of a National League North fest there in terms of scorers, familiar names 
on that score sheet. Kidderminster, two back-to-back wins away from home. Now they won away at Curzon in midweek. And then they won away at Peterborough Sports on Saturday, who are in a bit of trouble, even though they're comfortably in mid-table. Yeah, I mean, just on on Kidderminster, I mean, exactly the sorts of results that they're probably needing, really. You know, a 1-0 win at Curzon in midweek and then a 2-1 win at Peterborough. Peterborough might be somewhat unsettled by stuff that's going on off the field. Two goals for Ash Hemmings for Kidderminster yesterday. Um, Manish Sani did get a goal back, but it, it's things off the field that are concerning Peterborough. Obviously, we reported um, the fact that uh, Grant Middle had said that he'd welcome investment because he, he felt that Peterborough had hit a glass ceiling. We found out last night that it looks as though Peterborough's manager, Jimmy Dean, is, is well, he has left the club and, and it's very strongly rumoured that he's heading to be the new manager of Scunthorpe United, taking over from Michael Nelson. We barely mentioned the uh, the big news out of Scunthorpe earlier in the podcast, um, which was that they had a, a takeover completed in midweek, came just before their um, 1-0 away win at Halifax, which was on BT Sport, their first away win of the season. Um, but yeah, it looks as though Jimmy Dean um, is heading for Scunthorpe United. Um, he's been such a big part of, of Peterborough Sports' rise, um, you know, with Grant Biddle. And, and you know, you, it, it, that's going to be a big um, blow for Peterborough Sports to try and overcome. You know, I'm sure there'll be um, lots of managers interested in that role, particularly with, you know, the, the players that you've got at Peterborough Sports. But I just think Grant Biddle and Jimmy Dean have been so intertwined in Peterborough Sports' rise that it's 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 bound to cause some disruption there. The other game was a win for Bambrit away at Hereford with the, the Evergreen Kelvin Lammead on the score sheet. Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, it looked like um, goals from, you know, centre-halves in this game by the looks of things. Aaron Amadi holloway had given Hereford the lead um, at half-time, a goal in the 32nd minute. But Alex Babos um, put uh, Banbury level. Langmead is 38 in March um, and he was a, a forward early in his career, got converted to a centre-half when he was at Shrewsbury Town, not far from... Um, me here and he, he rolled back the years with two goals yesterday in the 64th and the 84th minute Orin Pendley did equalise for Hereford in between those two but yeah ultimately Langmead was the hero and you know just goes to show um, he's still got it. Plenty of midweek fixtures this week All the shot take on Boreham Wood, Eastley against Barnet, Solihull and Notts County We'll give it another go after it being called off a couple of times. Woken against Torquay and Yeovil against Wealdstone. Uh, in the National League North, eight games on Tuesday evening. Chester against Alverton, Telford away at Charlie, Darlington against Southport, Kettering against Boston, Kidderminster against Blythe, Kingsland against Bradford Park Avenue, Scarborough against Brackley, and Spennymore against Hereford. Uh, in the National League South, it is uh, Braintree against Chesson, Dover against Worthing, Farmer against Hemel Hempstead, Hungerford against Chelmsford, Tartan against Hammond and Waterlooville, and Weymouth against Hampton and Richmond Borough. So get out there and uh, support your local National League side if you can. Real well, Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always, and uh, great to great to have uh, Ross on. Have a have a good week, boys. Uh, we've got some midweek games coming up, and I look forward to hopefully joining you again next weekend. Thank you very much for joining us, Dickie. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure. And give us a follow on Twitter at an helpful time. And it's the same on Instagram. And oh, don't forget to subscribe as well. Uh, we'll see you all very soon.